You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 123 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. We've got a great show planned. There's been a little bit going on, and it's been a while since we did a show, so really looking forward to this one. And uh, TSL podcast, as always, is brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm, and it starts in just a few minutes. So let's get it started right now. on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. We're glad you could join us today. We've missed you as we record on Monday, March 23rd. Uh, I'm Will Stewart, General Manager of TSL. Our regular host, Evan Hughes, cannot be here today. We'll get to that in a second. And uh, let's see, we have a lot to discuss as we, as we haven't done a show in three weeks. It's been three weeks since we did our last podcast. We'll be discussing the impact of the coronavirus on sports, Virginia Tech, and more. Plus, we'll recap the men's basketball, se- VT men's basketball season, and the impact of Landers Nolly transferring, leaving to the transfer portal. Uh, our crew today, I'm General Manager and Founder Will Stewart. We've got Managing Editor Chris Coleman. Uh, Chris and I, as you can tell from Malcolm, show him the fr- we are practicing social <laughs> safe social distancing. Um, and of course, the uh, best producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. He is a uh, operating the controls and taking your questions on Facebook Live that we'll get to at the end of the show. Um, and as always, as I mentioned, we're brought to you by the uh, Fisher Law Firm, Jonathan Fisher, Virginia Tech Class of 98, and you'll hear more from Jonathan later as we run his promo. So here we are. Let's get started. Um, this is weird. As I said you know, uh, on Facebook Live before we went, before we actually started the show, I feel... I feel kind of nervous about this, and I feel like we have to do a really good show because it's been so long. And there, there are other factors at play here. So Malcolm, show them the faraway view again on the video. So we've had a huge change here on the podcast that we got rid of huge change. the uh, the love seat, and we replaced it with two chairs. It's kind of an interesting story. We bought all these chairs. We bought the two original chairs and the uh, love seat last August. Decided we wanted to get rid of the love seat because it – you know, we're, we're trying to ramp up and have uh, guests on the show. And it's kind of awkward to have Chris sitting like on the love seat right next to the guest. It was weird sitting next to Andy Bitter that day. Yeah. And he, just doing that number to talk to him. Yeah. So Chris time. can't really, you know, yeah. turn and, and talk. So, so we're like, you know what? We'll, we'll get a couple of chairs. And I'm thinking, man, this, this isn't good. Well, a couple of oddball the chairs won't match. I go to Big Lots where we bought the furniture. If you're a fan of the podcast, you know, that's where we got our furniture. <laughs> and, um, the flying we'll just explain the flying mic here in a second but wonder of wonders they had two more of the exact same chair and this was gosh this was about seven months ago now that i think about it so that's very cool they're so popular now we do have a mic a potential mic misbehavior problem because 
in removing the love seat and putting the chairs in, we had to move the tables around, had to resituate the mics, and these mics are touchy. So I just bumped mine and it just took off on me. So uh, hopefully this, this part of it will proceed well. So I was thinking, uh, when I was a young man, I read a book called uh, Love in the Time of Cholera. I can't remember the author's name. I think it was Gabriel Garcia Marquez or something like that. And I feel like I'm doing podcasts in the time of coronavirus. Um, you know, you, you've known me long enough to know that my brain makes these really weird, weird connections. So, uh, so let's dive right into it, Chris. It's. I was talking to Evan this morning, so Evan's not able to be here today. Evan is in Richmond, um, and we just think it's best that he not, you know, travel back to this area. He's staying away for now, and and, and he told me that he actually has a friend who is exhibiting symptoms of coronavirus. And this was a friend that he was around about eight or nine days ago. So we said, all right, you just stay in Richmond. We'll, we'll try to patch you in in some way. We're not really set up to do that. You know, we are. We call ourselves a podcast. We're more like a TV show. Yeah. It's not know, on TV. And and so we, we don't have the, the means or the uh, methods at this point to patch people in remotely and stuff like that. So we're proceeding without Evan. But I was talking to him this morning, and uh, naturally I lost my train of thought. Oh, one of the things we were saying was it's hard to believe it's only really been about a week or a week and a half. It feels like longer to me. What does it feel like to you? It's kind of hard to say. Like, uh, I don't do a whole lot. Yeah. Like, I go to the gym and I come to work. I actually had not gone out since early February. So, uh, and I, I live by myself. So, right. in a way, I social distance anyway. Like, so it's not really hadn't been that big of a deal to me except for my gym closed. Right. Um, but I did beat my personal trainer in the parking lot on Saturday and did an outdoor workout. Uh, so, uh, so it's. Because it's a weird thing. You were telling me the other day, you're still paying for your gym membership, paying for uh, your the, personal training session. Well, uh, yeah, I wasn't exactly sh- clear how that worked I, I think what they've done is they've they've shut off anytime fitness has shut off all clients payments okay. so now that uh which also shuts out the, the the personal trainers from getting paid yeah because they get I, right. i've talked to them uh, if you pay a certain amount per session i think they get half of they, they get a like certain that. amount of it so yeah. yeah so like so he my personal trainer doesn't get paid unless he does a session with me so by doing that session now he can get paid right 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 yeah, yeah. so you guys you probably stayed like six feet away from each other at least right fall for, for the most part would you sure, do flip sure tires and run up and down a hill did, didn't flip any tires uh did uphill lunges um did some ab work pushed i pushed his jeep wrangler across the parking lot put it in <laughs> neutral uh yeah so but it's a good workout. Now, as far as upper body goes, I have no idea what we'll be able to accomplish there. I, I'm, I'm going to have to start doing some stuff I, at home. I was scouring my neighborhood for tree branches to do pull-ups that, that, that were big <laughs> enough to support me, but yet weren't also so rough they would tear up my hands even worse than they already are. I laugh, but I shouldn't laugh. I, I, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll freely admit that I really have no idea how to talk about this. In in, in From the standpoint that it's such a huge thing, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not a smart enough guy, and I don't think about things on a big, huge level. Um, I don't really know how to discuss this coronavirus as a whole. I, I, I've, I've traveled more the last few years, 
and obviously I go to, to London a lot and, and writing, I never really got the concept of like cities of 10 million or more people and people packed like sardines next yeah. to each other. But you ride that, the underground in London and you ride that underground to the airport and then you fly to Paris or Rome or wherever. In a tin can with a bunch of people. With a bunch right of people. And obviously, like, uh, this is not the bubonic plague or anything like that, but because of our the, the mass transit, the easy travel we have today, it can spread very, very rapidly. Yeah. So it's something that, that spread quickly um, because of our ability to travel so quickly these days, I think. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd have fully grasped that if I hadn't done a lot of traveling myself over the last few years. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I've got a script here from Evan. I don't know how much we're going to stick to it. Right. You know, so let's, let's talk first of all about what this is doing. I'll, I'll talk about our little portion of the world about what this is doing to tech sideline. Uh, we're fortunate in that, um, we can still do a lot of stuff remotely. It's not like we're a restaurant or a movie theater yeah. or something like that where you have to completely shut down. So what's happening with our business is that um, we have basically three uh, uh, sources of revenue. The first one and the biggest one is subscriptions, which account for about two-thirds of our revenue. Um, and we're very fortunate from the standpoint we have a very loyal subscriber base. Our subscriptions auto-bill. Um, so that part of the business is doing fine. Now, granted, it's early. It's only been about a week or a week and a half where things have really kicked in. So that portion of our business is doing fine, and we we encourage everybody to keep your subscriptions going. We'll talk a minute about the uh, the content that we're going to be doing to doing our best to keep you entertained while there's not any actual games going on. So that part of the business is good. Then, then another big part of the business is what you call network advertising. It's the banner ads that run on the border of the site. And once things hit the fan, um, that source of, of revenue just dropped off a cliff. Um, so there, there, there are three things going on here that are affecting it. Um, number one, if, and, I, and I, t I talk about things in year-over-year -year terms. How are we doing this year as opposed to the same time period last year? Well, if you remember last year, Virginia Tech was in the NCAA tournament. They were in the ACC tournament, in the NCAA tournament. So there was a lot of exciting stuff going on with Tech basketball. So our page views were relatively high. Well, our page views are down. And the other thing that's happened is that advertisers have stopped pumping money into the system. They're not buying ads right now. That, that part of it is on lockdown. Everybody's holding on to their money. So page views are down. The number of sheer ads available, what's called the fill rate, is down. And those that are buying advertising are buying it cheaper, mm -hmm. and that's called CPM. How much money do you make off, off of uh, per thousand ads? So we've got these three things all working in concert with each other, and it's driven our ad revenue down uh, by 70 to 80%. So the ad, and that's about that is probably about 30% of our business. So that part of it has just fallen off a cliff. Now, sponsorships is another part of our business. So we don't make a lot of money off of sponsorships. And and we had, it, it was, I don't want to say it was funny. It was ironic, I guess, or, or I'm not sure I'm finding the right word to use. Uh, we literally this week had somewhere between six and 10 
meetings planned with potential sponsors for the 2020-2021 uh, time frame for us, fiscal year for us. And that involved our ad sales rep coming in from uh, uh, Richmond and sitting with me and meeting with the clients to, to sell these sponsorships. That's off the table. So that that's just not happening. And um, so that's kind of what's going on with our business. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, because you guys are always pay a lot of attention to us. You're loyal to us. Um, our cash position right now is solid. Um, if this lasts two or three months, I think we'll come out the other end just fine. And if things yeah. get started back up again. So, but we do encourage you to keep your subscriptions going. Um, if you're on the fence, you know, clearly I don't want you subscribing if you've lost your job and things like that. You know, you have to make your own personal decisions. Uh, but we will be here. We will be doing uh, as much content as we can. We invite you to uh, come on the message boards and talk about things. So uh, uh, towards that end, tell us what you got going on content-wise, Mr. Managing Editor. We've actually got a, later this afternoon, got a Catching Up with Jamon Gordon yeah. article coming. Jamon is a very popular former Virginia Tech basketball player. Uh, he really talks, goes in depth about his relationship with Zabie and Dowdell, how they met when they were in high school, cool. how they came to Virginia Tech together, uh, how playing overseas really opened his lot, eyes to a lot of things that he wouldn't have realized. Uh, so I think that's going to be really good. I think our 1995 series is going to, I should add that Corey Van Dyke got that Jamon Gordon interview. He's going to be doing some catching up with. Yeah, we've redeployed Corey Van Dyke since Corey isn't doing baseball right. Right, there's us. no baseball to cover, so Corey, as you said, has been redeployed. Um, so he's going to be doing more stuff like that for like us. Like where are they now? Type where are stuff. they now? Stuff. That kind of stuff's always been popular. It's always it's just it's not real easy to do. It's, it's not hard, easy. It's to hard do. to get in touch with the uh, with the former athletes. It's hard to get them to right. to do interviews. Corey's good at that stuff, so he's going to be providing as many of those as we can. Yeah, um, and, and Jamon's a guy I've always wanted. I would love for Jamon to come in here one no, day no after doubt. all this blows over. No uh, doubt. We uh, we once upon a time we had a document somewhere. I cannot find it. It was called the wit and wisdom of Jamon Gordon. Yeah, all his quotes on it. It was all the I, funny things. I, he I, I talked about that on Twitter one time, and he was like, "I need to see that." So I, I uh, like, I did a screen cap of both pages and sent it to him. Yeah, uh, yeah. I still can remember some of them off the top of my head because they were great. But the thing about it was Jamon's accent. You actually had to hear him say it. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're just reading it on a piece of paper, they might not be as funny. But you'd hear him. A lot of them came from like his post game interviews with, with uh, Mike Burnup. Yeah. On the radio after games. Between me and you and the people on the radio, I'm not sure about that airplane. <laughs> no, it was orange uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> orange uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> Which most people would probably agree with him there. Yeah. Um, or a lot of people would. But, yeah. So that should be good. Uh, the series on the 1995 season will continue this week. It was so, started so this let, past let, week. Let me jump in here and pitch that because uh, – um, if, if you're not a subscriber, you haven't had a chance to read it yet. It, it came out even better than I thought it would. Mm -hmm. There's uh, anybody can like relive games by watching them on YouTube. Hokey sure. Hokey Tapes has has a ton of games on YouTube. But something that we've got, which which gives us an inter interesting perspective, is we have pretty much a complete run of the uh, Hokey Huddlers, the athletic department newspaper that used to be published at the time. Which and, is how people got their info back then. Yeah, uh, this was this was pre-internet days, you know, so there weren't websites and things like that, and tech didn't get a ton of coverage from newspapers, so they produced their own uh, sixteen to twenty-four page uh, weekly internal 
newspaper called the Hokey Huddler. And we've got, I subscribe to that thing. I, I still remember when I was a student seeing the first ones of those because they started in 84, 85, I think. Mm-hmm. So I subscribed to those and collected them. And then somewhere along the line, I got an email in the early days of Hokey Central and Tech Sideline from a gentleman, gentleman named Emerson Rudisil. And Emerson said, my dad has passed away and he's got boxes of Hokey Huddlers in his attic. Do you want them? And I remember Emerson met me at uh, Radford Travel Center out by the interstate. It's funny. I can't remember what I did yesterday, but <laughs> I, I remember stuff like this. Yeah. And so point being, we have almost the entire run. So you can go back and you can read what was being printed in the Hokey Huddler. Now, now here's the interesting thing about the Hokey Huddler. Chris Colston was the editor up through about 1996. And in this day of messages from the athletic department, hang on a second, let me cut my phone <laughs> off. Um, we are used to uh, messages from the athletic department being very tightly controlled. The Hokie Huddler wasn't really like that. It was very honest about a lot of things. It actually, The Hokie Huddler actually made its picks for the 1995 season. Uh-huh. Uh, I found that in my research. They pick every single game. Like, they pick Tech to lose to UVA. Wow. Yeah. Right? They pick Tech to go 8-3, and three, lose to Miami, UVA, and somebody else in there. I forget who. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in, in doing your research, it, it was – it was interesting because Chris is looking through these old hokey huddlers to, to kind of embed himself in the. In I'm writing. The I'm writing the articles like it's real time. Yeah. Like like I wrote the, my first article as if it's the week before the Boston College game to start the season, yeah. and I'm going to write the second article as if it's the day after the Boston College yes. game, and we all just watch the game. So these so, articles are not written from a retrospective; they're written as if as if they're actually as if it's actually unfolding. And the fir- the first one is great because in 1995, Tech had severe in-state recruiting problems. Yeah. They didn't sign anybody in the top 15 in the state of Virginia that year. I only signed three players in the top 25. Boston mm-hmm. College came in and cleaned house, yeah. believe it or not. Um, BC. So if, ni- if, ni- if there was the internet in 1995 and we followed recruiting in 1995, we'd all be freaking out in 1995 because Virginia Tech was doing a horrible job in state recruiting, right? Yeah. And their recruiting class ranked dead last in the Big East in 1995 behind Temple. Temple, for goodness sake, right? I, I, that's un- it, it's, dead it's, last and biggie. That, that's unfathomable. It, it's hard to believe, is it not? Um, so if the internet had existed back then and we followed recruiting like we do now, boy, the heat would have been on after, yeah. the, after the way that 94 season ended and after the way the 95 season started. Started, yeah. Right? And just think about it. After that, four years after that, Virginia Tech played for the national championship. Which is really hard to believe, considering that. So, what a train wreck recruiting was in in 1995, and yet four years later they played for the national championship. <laughs> and, and so. it, it, it's it's really hard to believe, but we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here. But we are writing about it as if it's going on right now. So, yeah. so the first article was all about. I'm really glad the season started because it was a pretty bad off season. We changed both coordinators, Gary Tranquil. Ruined Maurice DeShazo's senior season. Last year ended horribly. 
Elmashin, the defensive coordinator, left after promising he was going to stay, basically. Frank went and handed the job to his linebackers coach. So some coach that's never been a coordinator before, Bud Foster, what is that? I mean, that guy's just, how's he going to take over? like 30 years old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going to take over somebody so experienced like Phil Elmashin? How's that going to work, right? So these are all the questions we had going into the 1995 season. So I'm writing them in real time as if it's happening. So very cool. Uh, so we've got Corey working on where are they nows. We've got this ninety five thing going. I still owe you an article. It's the top five or top ten most commented on TSL articles of all time. So I did a little research last night to see if I remember uh, w- one piece I wrote that that I'm most proud proud of. Like I've I've got a number of articles I've written where I'm like, yeah, that was really good. When Seth Greenberg got fired, I wrote an article called The Posse Closes In. Yeah, that was a good article, too. And, and I thought I thought that if I went back and looked, that would want to be one of the most commented articles of all time. No, it's not. There were only 56 comments on that article. It's generally regarded as an outstanding article, but it just didn't draw. So uh, if you've listened to the podcast, I talked about how the most commented article of all time has about 200 comments on it. And we have... 10 to 15 articles that have had 100 comments on them. So this isn't even close. This Seth Greenberg article isn't even close, but I do owe you that one. And uh, so we got all kinds of other fun stuff we'll keep doing. Um, Now, Now, the thing is, right now we wouldn't be doing much anyway as far as football goes. Spring practice would have started on Saturday, but outside of a couple of articles on that, I mean, we'd be previewing the spring, but I, I wouldn't be saying anything that I haven't already said. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's see. So let's um, so so Evan's notes here say let's begin the show by talking about tech sideline and the content plan. There you go. We're already talking about that. Despite the show, uh, the show, I think he means despite the uh, uh, shutdown. What awesome content can subscribers continue to see from us? We've talked about that. And, he, and then he then he typed up a question. He said, Will, just how eye opening has the last week been for you from a sports perspective and a life perspective? Um. Oh, wow. Like I said, this is this is hard to one of the things I've talked about is that um, I don't consider myself to be a very good analyst at all. Um, I tend to write about sports from an emotional standpoint. There's there's a filter that I put it through. And what that means is I remember um, I heard a quote once upon a time that said uh, when you're when you're gone, people won't remember what you did. And what you said, they'll remember how you made them feel. And I kind of look at sports through that lens. I often forget the details, but I remember how I feel about things. And why am I talking about this? How is this relevant? Um, I, I've been unusually tired the last week. And, and I'll admit that I haven't even been following, like my wife has been following this coronavirus stuff closely. I kind of count on her to, to let me know the big stuff that's going on. I can't, I just can't, I can't look at it that much. I've been not wanting to get out of bed. I've been tired, you know. I'm not, ironically, I'm, I'm not super worried about the business. There's people out there that have lost their jobs already. There's sure. no source of income for them, and it's a lot worse for them. My neighbor's business revolves around catering to large events. Boom, gone. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's a lot of people out there that are, that are under some serious risk from this. I don't include myself in that group, but yet I'm still, 
just just the general vibe is just dragging me down yeah so uh, i mean i know for you it hasn't changed your life a whole lot and it's funny Uh, it's gonna cost me my european vacation this summer yeah but i mean they're 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 bigger they're bigger worries than that though obviously and it's really i can get my money back on that flight or change the flight to later in the summer i had a free place to stay anyway so i'm not out any money um so it's just it's just not a not a big deal yet right for the two of us and for this business yeah um but you got to talk about uh, all spring sports at tech had been canceled and virginia tech has the the deadline for donating to the hockey club and for buying season tickets was march 31st that's been pushed back to april 30th and uh, in talking to, I had a conversation with Brad Worthman the other day. Brad is the act in, in addition to the many hats Brad wears, he's the mm-hmm. acting head of the hockey club. And, and Brad was saying, and I think they did a good job of this in the press release. He said, he said, what we need to get out to people is that, um, in a perfect world, we would push it even further out beyond April 30th to, to further out than that. But once people make their decisions to donate and buy season tickets, there's a lot that has to happen over in the athletic department that literally takes months. All the sorting through everything and doing the seating process, getting the tickets printed up and getting them out. He said, he said things to me like a couple of interesting things he said were, um, you know, the cool booklets they've been doing for season tickets lately. If you get season tickets, they come in this package and I haven't seen one. Uh, my buddies have seen one cause they buy the season tickets that, that I'm in their group. He said, that's out that's out the window we're just going to print the tickets and he said oh by the way everybody else is compressing their schedule so if football season happens and you and i will talk about that in a second if football season happens everybody else is going to be getting their tickets printed all in this compressed schedule Mm -hmm. so they're facing a lot of challenges and that's why they didn't push it out even further right so so that's going to have an effect on donations and season tickets yeah i mean uh I'm always a last-minute guy when it comes yeah. to ordering my season tickets. It's never a question of whether I'm going to order them. It's just whether I do it on March 23rd or March 30th, right? right? Just whenever I sit down and think about it. And that, and and that's me filing my taxes. It, yeah, same here with, with that, too. I think I've even done them both on the same day before. But uh, I, I think, uh, obviously, pushing that extension back is the right decision. Um, right now, I believe... I. I mean, what, what what if I assume there would be refunds for people if there's no football season? But at the same time, if there's no football season, then just like that, Virginia Tech's going to be $20 million in the red. Everybody's going to be, almost everybody's going to be in the red. Yeah. And there's not enough insurance in this world to cover all of that, right? So even these athletic departments that, that have huge revenue of over $200 million a year, even they run they close have, to the margins. They have huge expenses, yeah. massive expenses. Yeah. Uh, the profit margin is not necessarily huge for a lot of these schools and for virginia tech it was actually non-existent for two years in a row and now it's back on the profitable side but by a razor thin margin yeah um so yeah athletic departments make huge amounts of revenue they don't necessarily make huge amounts of profits and losing virginia tech would lose you know 18 to 20 million dollars in season ticket revenue if football season did not happen um so, and when you say something like that, I, I just see this 
this white wall of dread in, yeah. in my mind. I don't know how to analyze that. I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that means either. Like I said, I'm sure there's not enough insurance on the world to cov- cover that. The, would it pop the bubble, the sports bubble? And, and it's not just the ticket revenue. Would like ESPN even make their payments if there's no products to show? Um, I, 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 yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it would be it's it's useless to try to answer the questions right now when we and, don't and know I what's going to happen. I can't even think of all the questions to ask, much less start answering any of them. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, Same yeah. here. You just got to let it play play out. Um, I want to change subject slightly here. But we're going to still talk about tickets. Um, I think it's a waste of money for Virginia Tech to have season tickets printed out these days, like all those different tickets. I just joined the Tottenham Hotspur supporters group, right, because I was going to go to a game in May when I'm over there. And I just got tickets eighth row behind their bench for a game before all this went down. But anyway, what they do is they send supporters, if you join their, their supporters club, they send you a membership card. And then if you buy tickets for whatever tickets you buy, they load. They're on your card. They're on your card because your card has a number and you scan it going in. Yeah. And and it's one of the things that will happen, I think, out of all of this, is that, uh, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. And there will be changes. There will be things that occur that will never change back. Sure. And one of the things, and we talked about this on the message board one day, one of the things I'm worried about is that if there is no college football season next year, a segment of the fan base, I don't know how big that percentage is, but there is a portion of the fan base that will discover that they can do without college right. football right. and they'll never come back. Right. And the story I told uh, that that it's anecdotal, but it's, it's the similar situation for me. Was a was in 1994 when Major League Baseball went on strike. I believe it was 94 when they went on strike. Didn't even have a World Series. Yep. I wasn't a huge baseball fan, but I was a baseball fan. I I followed it. And then when they struck and didn't have the World Series, and I want to be clear, my reaction wasn't "What the heck with all you millionaires? I'm not watching your sport anymore." I literally didn't think about it. Right. I just never have been a fan since then. Right. I wasn't taking any more high ground or anything. I just discovered I didn't need well, to pay yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah, it, it disappears. You don't have the option to view it anymore, so you find something else to do. And then when it comes back, you found well, you 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 found other things to do, right? Yeah. And so it, there, there's a lot of people, myself included. You know, I started watching college football in the early to mid '90s. I had my college football. I had my Sega Genesis. I don't think we had internet in our house until 1999. So there wasn't a whole lot to do. I grew up on a 20-acre farm, yeah. right, where there's nobody around. I've seen it out in the country. Yeah, exactly. So there was college football. There was Sega Genesis. And that was pretty much it in, like, 1995 for me. So I got used to watching college football. But that's it's just a habit. It becomes a habit after a while. But then that habit gets taken away. Um. And something else fills the void. Right. And it's, it's, and there's more things to do these days. Um, it's, it's harder to keep people's attention because there's so many entertainment options. And let's be honest, we are not stuffing a lot of new fans in the other correct. end of the pipeline. Absolutely. That's, that's know, correct. And, yeah. and there's been, especially a lot at of, price levels, the way they are around college football these days. It's, yeah. it's, you, you can't buy in cheap. Yeah. Yep. If you want right. to get season tickets, you can't buy it. Yeah, and going back to that 1995 season, I remember my my season tickets were 105. dollars 
they charge Virginia Tech charged for parking for the first time that year twenty five dollars <laughs> for the whole season. <laughs> now it's twenty five dollars a game. And the, the Hokie Huddlers explaining it like I know there's going to be some upset fans out there that they have to pay twenty five dollars a season for parking, but here's what other teams are doing and how much money they're making off of it. And well, you know, so it was the same conversations being had back then. So here's what I would do is if I was Virginia Tech, and I think you'll see this happen. Um, the 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 deadline the for donations and tickets will come mm-hmm. and go April thirtieth yeah and people will donate what they donate and purchase the tickets they're going to purchase and let's say the football season doesn't happen if I was Virginia Tech I would say all right everybody you have your own decisions to make here if you want to help us out and keep the operation going then tell us that. You know, I think the thing about a Hokie Club donation is it's donated and that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you you can't get that back. Right. But I think what they'll say to the uh, fan base is you make your own personal decision. With regards to season tickets. Yeah, with regards to season tickets. If you want a refund on your season tickets, let us know and we will get you that. Otherwise, we're $20 in the in the red. At and least. we'd appreciate it if you not ask for your money back, if yeah. you could possibly afford it. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of what you'll see happen. Because so much of uh, college sports and success is philanthropy anyway. It's yes. people, people donating money. Right. Uh, I don't know that there's a whole lot more I can say. Um, uh, I, I do think it, it, it appears that the government is gearing up to introduce a huge stimulus package which is predicated on this passing over the course of the next one to three months. Right. Um, again, I, I haven't followed this stuff super close. Um, uh, so I think from a larger societal standpoint, the, the government's doing everything they can to get us through what they hope will be three months of bad time. Yeah, and it's one of those tough things to figure out. At, at what point does the cure become more costly than the, the disease itself, Right. right? What, when is that when is that point and this is uh, as as a message board poster I really like put it um, this is not a popular opinion but at some point if this persists society has to decide we can't go on living like this yeah we need to reopen the restaurants we need to reopen the theaters we need to go back to doing business right and you, the general population, now understand with your deal, what you're dealing with. You take your own precautions. Right. And I was thinking about that this morning. My dad passed away last April. It's been almost a year ago at the age of 89. Mm-hmm. And my dad, as most 89-year-olds, had some underlying health issues, uh, heart issues, um, high blood pressure, that sort of thing. So if my dad was alive today, he would be at extremely high risk. Right. Um, let's say society did not shut down to the extent we're currently shut down. How I would have dealt with my dad was I would have said, dad, you stay in your house, which he did a lot of anyway. My dad didn't go out a lot. Yeah. yeah. You know, he'd sit there and watch TV and do Sudoku and and not go out. And I would say, you say put till this blows over. Let me know what you need me to get. I will go get it. I will Mm -hmm. drop it off in your garage. You let it sit there a day before you go out and touch it or longer. Mm -hmm. But, I'm, I'm saying that if he were still alive, he would be in, at the at-risk portion of the population and he would conduct himself accordingly and I would help him. Right. And I yes. wonder at what point do we decide as a society we can't go on like this and it becomes a personal responsibility. Thing. And society adjusts itself 
or at least temporarily until there's some sort of antidote or whatever. Society ad adjusts itself, as we've seen some places do already, where if you're a senior citizen, you shop at a certain time of day and everybody else stays home. Yeah. Um, that, that, that helps to a certain extent, I guess. I'm not a doctor. And then this but, is easy for me to say. I'm not one of the healthcare professionals on the front lines of this stuff. Yeah. I, you know, I, I understand it's a lot more complicated than I make it out to be, but these are things I think, and we're here to talk about it. So, right. um, so let's see. Evan wrote, have you ever seen a crazier 48 hours in sports than two weeks ago? No. With everything getting shut down, like one game even got shut down at halftime. Uh, one conference a basketball game, game right yeah, it, was yeah. a, it was a big east it was game a big of course east. Yeah. big east dead last on everything so in case you missed it if you're not a twitter person um and help me reconstruct this chris uh so virginia tech played on a tuesday yeah. and, I, and i went to see it in greensboro with a buddy of mine that's right and then did the acc the acc played games wednesday they did they at least played the afternoon i think they played the afternoon games and then canceled the the night sessions no, here's the way I think it played out. I think they played all of the games on Wednesday, and they were supposed to start at noon on Thursday. Yeah. And, you, think, re yeah. and you remember at like 1130 in the morning, the ACC tweeted out on their yeah. official Twitter account, we're hooping today. The teams were warming up. Florida State was out on the court warming up, right? So the ACC tweets, we're hooping today. Yeah. And right at the same time, every other conference starts canceling their tournaments. Right. And the ACC was last, of course, and they didn't want to look like jerks. So and that they tweet disappeared. It and, did, yeah, it did, they deleted the tweet. I believe I screen capped it. Okay. So I'm, okay. And I'm, I know I'm not the only person. So <laughs> so there's there's the ACC. So the, the ACC is only beaten out by the Big East in terms of slowness to cancel their right. their conference tournaments. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't – there have been other crazy isolated events like the earthquake during the World Series. Uh, way, uh, way I remember, you know, the baseball games and stuff getting shut down after 9-11. But, you know, that only lasted about a week. That only lasted about a week because I remember uh, – Oh gosh, I guess it was probably the the I think the Braves and Mets played on ESPN on one of the first games back in New York City. I don't think Virginia Tech missed any football games. They may have had a bye. We had a bye week. Yeah, um, um, definitely had a we had a bye week that upcoming week. We had just played Western Michigan. Remember, it was my I remember it because it was my freshman year. We had just played Western Michigan in the second game of the season, and then we had a bye. So yeah, it did not affect Virginia Tech football at all. Yeah. Um, and let's see another one I can equate it to. And, and, and for a lot of athletes, it's is very similar is the, uh, the boycott of the 80, 84 Olympics. I apologize. Somebody on Facebook tell me that the, it was, the, it was the Olympics that were supposed to be in Moscow mm. and the United States decided we're not going. Right. And, what that did, can you imagine being one of the athletes that you've spent your entire life right. training for those Olympics? And for a lot of athletes, they have their one shot. They have their one shot, that one Olympics where they're peaking. Maybe they've been to the previous one and they weren't quite ready That's yet. That's their window. That's their window. And maybe four years after that, they're past their, their Olympic prime. So it literally was a life-altering decision for a lot of those athletes. And for... For the seniors, the senior athletes in the spring sports, mm -hmm. take take the example of Dayton, the Dayton basketball team. Oh yeah, and and Obi Toppin is that his name? Yeah, you know, 
how, how crushing that must have been for them. And, yeah. And, well, and Obi's going to make millions, but the right for the regular guys on that team for the, the seniors, fans, the yeah. fans, yeah. yeah. And and for uh, for the Virginia Tech women's basketball team, which I don't think has been the NCAA tournament since 2006, right. they were gonna go. They were gonna go. Can, yeah. Oh God, can you imagine how you'd feel if this had happened last year and Virginia Tech's Sweet 16 run had not yeah. happened? Yeah. I would have been crushed, man. Yeah, because you you never know what could have happened. Right. You know, Virginia Tech had a, man, they had a really good team last year. Um, so, no, I've never seen a crazier 48 hours. I've seen events that were crazy, but not the entirety of sports like that. Everything shutting down in sports just like that. Yeah. 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 Over the course of, like, two days. Yeah. So, how do you feel the ACC Commissioner John Swafford? And, Evan, you misspelled Swafford. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> and, okay. And VTAD Whit Babcock did handling the pandemic. Um, uh, like, Swafford was a little late to the party, like he is with most other things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Witt handled it fine. I don't see anything different that Virginia Tech Athletic Department did my, differently than anybody else's. My my only criticism of Witt's handling of it would have been that I would have wanted to hear a statement from him sooner than we did. Right. When the ACC canceled all spring sports, Virginia Tech just kind of regurgitated what the ACC said. Right. There was not a statement from Witt himself. Okay. Yeah, okay. I didn't realize that. I don't think I actually read the As press As you know, release. I'm big on statements. It takes right. me roughly two minutes to write a one-paragraph statement that, <laughs> that will suit most situations. Yeah. Uh, that That's my only uh, uh, only criticism, and, that, and that's a light criticism, you know. We like Witt, and man, he's got a lot on his plate. And, um, uh, I doubt very many athletic directors are getting a whole lot of sleep right now, man. That's just, it's just a whole lot of, whole lot of things in flux. Um, you know, they're, they're, like I'll say, you're on the softball team right now, and you're and you're a senior. I think the NCAA will probably say, okay, well, you can come back and play next year, right? You'll you'll get another year of eligibility. But what about the incoming freshmen? That means the NCAA has to allow teams to go over the scholarship limit for a year, which increased the cost. Which increased the cost of athletic departments. Uh, And then what if football season doesn't get played, or it gets played in a limited capacity? Um, Well, think about it like this, man. If I'm over seventy years old, I'm probably not coming to Tech games this year. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, why, have, why, I mean, why would you? That that that's that's. I mean, we don't know what the situation will be like then, yeah. relative to right now. If it's if it's a seasonal type thing, then okay, fine. The September games, you'll be fine in Lane Stadium, most likely. But once the weather turns, you right, gotta wonder. You gotta yeah. wonder. Yeah. So so you just don't know what the money situation is is going to be like next year, even if everything goes on as planned. Yeah, it's and and I, like I said, I have a hard time grasping the entirety of it. Yeah, nobody um, can do that at this point. We've just yeah. got to let it play out and take it day by day, really. Now I do know that what the country's going through and what athletic departments are going through, it's uh, it, it's it's difficult to make the right decisions at every step along the way because this yeah. is unprecedented. Yeah, it's not unprecedented for every government, by the way. You're absolutely right. Apparently, South Korea has handled this sort of thing before. Right. And so their response to it was a response born of experience. Mm-hmm. And so the point I'm making is that um, uh, this type of thing, as you go through it and then study it later, you learn how to uh, to handle it better. And something I don't want to get in any detail on, uh, but but I remember in in reading about the April 16th uh, shootings at Virginia Tech, 
what law enforcement departments learned mm-hmm. from um, Columbine. Yeah. And and how the response at Virginia Tech differed due to the experience with mass shootings prior right. to Virginia Tech and how it continues to evolve on an ongoing basis. This sort of thing reminds me of that, that, that when these things happen, uh, people who are much smarter than I study them and learn from them, and your response gets more and more refined and more tailored. So, yes. I don't know if that's relevant to what's going on now. Uh, all right, so let's transition to the sports. I did, uh, I'm already exhausted from talking <laughs> about that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm, how far in are we? 45. Wow. So I don't know that we're going to be able to get a lot through a lot of this other material. Um, but we do definitely need to talk about uh, Virginia Tech men's basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tech was one of the few teams that did get to play out the entirety of their season. <laughs> they were done. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of schools for which that's not true. It'd be, it'd be interesting to know what percentage of schools actually finished their season. 30%? Yeah, you know, some of the conference tournaments end a week earlier. Well, the smaller schools, the smaller, yeah. 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 Uh, in, in the smaller conferences, they ended a week earlier. But in the Power Five, maybe 30% of the yeah. teams yeah. finished fin- actually finished their seasons. Uh, 16 and 16, 7 and 13 in the ACC in year one of the Mike Young era. Evan says, how would you evaluate the job that Coach did in year one with the program? And, and we also want to offer condolences to Mike Young on the loss of his, his father. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, a week ago. At least his dad got to see him coach at Virginia Tech for yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's I, got, I got a text from a friend of mine who grew up in Radford, and he, he was talking about Mike Young's dad. And Mike Young's dad was a uh, principal. And uh, – this 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 tells you how the roots of my generation comes from. Uh, my buddy texted me and said uh, that man whipped my butt with a paddle a few times. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Now by the time you grew up, <laughs> that era was over. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the uh, the elementary school principal, middle school principal used to have the uh, clearance to actually whip your butt <laughs> with a paddle uh, back in back in the day. So anyway, let's talk about basketball. Um, I you know we. I don't know that there's a whole lot new that we can say about it. Yeah. Um, remember, we were saying back in January that we were going to have the same conversation for the rest of the year, most yeah, likely, and yeah. I think we pretty much have. Right. Um, I, I, I think on the whole, he did a good job. He took a team that, when he took over, had four scholarship players, and he found creative ways to, to get freshmen in who could compete at the ACC level by reclassifying. Um, he had a team that majority of the minutes were played by freshmen and, and even the returning guys his system is so unique that even the returning guys like pj horn will be sabidi they were more like like graduate transfers coming in learning a brand new system overnight yeah, yeah. Uh, so i thought it was a i thought he did a good job uh, with a caveat of course that the acc was down but i have no complaints about this season i you know i i, I don't know that i've said this Publicly, I think I was saving it for the end, but I thought, at what point did I think this? At the point at which Mike Young had four players, <laughs> I, I thought, and, and probably afterwards even, I thought that a four-win season in the ACC, four and 16, yeah. was, was my over-under. Sure. I thought they'd win six games max. Right. They won seven. They didn't win a lot more than six, but, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have any complaints about, yeah. about the way the season went. Um I the one thing I thought was an area where where I think the 
other than just getting more players in and getting older and more experienced. Um, I'm not sure about the coaching uh, on inbounds plays and end game situations. I think you just came from an era where we had the absolute best inbounds coach ever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I think it's, it's, I will say the inbounds play, gosh, what game was this? The last game of the season, uh, right before halftime when they got uh, PJ yes. Horn open yes. from that shot, that was, that was really, really good. Um, yeah. The, the, the end game situation probably needs some work. Um, Buzz was really, really good with his use of timeouts and everything like that. And Mike Young seems seems to be more of a let, let him play, play type. Yeah. Now, at the same time, he let him play against UNC, and they won the game, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and his the whole thing was, well, they didn't handle it. They didn't handle the let them play situation well against Syracuse. They're going to handle it better next time, and they did. They handled it better the next time against UNC. Um, I, my, I think my only complaint was the Miami game. No, it was a Virginia game when he didn't call a timeout to make a defensive substitution to get Wabisa Beatty in for Jalen Cohn yeah. at the end of the game when UVA made that last second shot. And you said he kind of contradicted himself in, in that he, he likes for his team to not call a timeout and play against the reason, unset defense. Correct. When The reason he doesn't call a timeout on offense is because he doesn't want to give uh, the other team a chance to set their defense. So by not calling a timeout right there to set his own defense, he kind of contradicted himself a little bit to a certain extent. And you wind up, but, we wound up with Jalen Cohn on Kihei Clark and, right. and – um, it's probably not the best situation, but you got to give credit to Clark. Uh, yeah, it was so, a clutch shot. So we've got uh, you've got um, Joe Bamisil coming in, mm-hmm. Darius Maddox. Uh, who else is there? Anybody else in the recruiting class? Yes, and it's not his name is not pronounced Ungesson. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how we pronounce names over here. Foreign names that we have no idea how to pronounce. <laughs> Just pronounce it exactly like it looks. Right? It's yeah. actually uh, Gison. David, first name? David, David Gieson. David the, Gieson. The, the, the N is silent. Wow. Um, so he's from the Netherlands, remember? Yes. And it's a French pronunciation. So he has game, game, game. He has game, game, game. Bonus points to you if you get the reference. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, yeah, so that that's a three-man class. We'll probably be higher if there's more attrition. Yeah. The thing is, it's, it, there's no recruiting. It's not like Mike Young can go out right now and find somebody new. No. So any, anybody – that gets signed right now would have to come from a pool of players the tech already knows about. You said um, it's pronounced Gison. Gison. And when can Gison sign? Is it mid-April? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's committed. He's not actually signed. And Van, I don't, I don't see that signing day will be affected because the guy's just – it's electronic. It's not, <laughs> it's not, right. like, not like you fly to Blacksburg and sign a piece of paper. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so the only attrition we've had so far is Landers Nolly entering the transfer Which portal. Which is something we need to talk about. And he is he's not coming back. And uh, – um, my take on Landers Nolly is that first of all, I'm not the least bit surprised by this. You know, from from the and, and go on YouTube and search Landers Nolly's dad says he's going pro. Um, we talked about this on the podcast a couple of months ago, so I didn't think Nolly was going to be here next year anyway. Um, I also think that while his game has a lot of promise. Um, it also has had a lot of holes that need a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, he is uh, he's not strong with the ball. He uh, when when you get up in his grill and force him to drive past you, he he can't do it. Um, so teams learned how to defend him, you know. And and then the sh- his shot went south, and I think his confidence went south with it. Um, I think he's a decent passer. 
Mm-hmm. Decent rebounder when he wants to be. Yeah. Um, so to sum up what I'm saying, um, if he had stayed, his game needed a lot of work um, to truly maximize his potential. That's my take on mm-hmm. it. What's your take? My take on it is that we ha- we are now a system program. Yeah. Um, and to be effective, a system needs players that are bought into the system 100% bought into the team ethos. Nolly, who I think is a good guy, obviously whatever decision he's made has always been about his own future. What's best for his future in basketball. That's not necessarily somebody you want in in a system type of program. Yeah. Right. Now, to give you some background on that, I don't know how precisely you remember it, but Nolly went to two or three different high schools. Mm-hmm. In uh, Illinois and Georgia. And uh, had already entered the transfer portal once. Right, after redshirting last year because yeah. he wasn't quite eligible. So he's been a guy that moves around. Um, right. You know, well, his, well, his dad was a uh, JUCO guy who then played for LSU yeah. uh, and then played overseas. Um so yeah, it's not a surprise. You know, I, I texted somebody with with knowledge of Nolly and the situation and the program the day after the Clemson game to start the season, and I said, "Man, Nolly's really good." And this guy was like, "Yeah, but he's a, he, you got to check the roster every day to make sure he's still on the team." And I don't think he was trying to imply that that Nolly was a bad guy or anything like that. It's just he was saying, "Yeah, this is not a long term thing. He's not going to be here very long for whatever reason." We were told that by a couple of people very early in the season. I was told that after his first game as a Virginia Tech player. Yeah. So, and I had I had to keep my mouth shut while everybody was talking about his future, his future, and, and everything like that. But I, the whole time, I did not expect him to be on the team after this year. To be yeah, so so you. let's put it right out there. Me either. You know, um, I'm, I I did not put the odds very high that he'd be here next year. Right. So, so. I'm sitting where they're playing out that season, and I'm like, I don't think he's going to be on the team. And I'm thinking to myself. I want to win, but we're not going to make the NCAA tournament this year anyway, so can we just take Nolly out and put in Hunter Couture or Jalen Cohn or whoever and play and with it, the guys that are going to be here? And I'll say it so, again, I've, I've, I did not see any evidence that he became any sort of cancer or anything no, like that. No, nothing at all. Not, not, nothing like that at all. Some people people complained about his shot selection, but I would not put him in the ball hog category. No, 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 no. I wouldn't do that. I, I, I need to go back and watch the highlights from early in the season. You, you know his shoulder was taped up for a good chunk of early the season. Early in the season? I don't know. Okay. I know it was for a good chunk of ACC play because I remember oh. a buddy of mine texting me one night and said, what's up with Nolly's shoulder? And I'm like, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look and see if it was like that yeah. earlier in the year. And I never did. Um, but if he had that tape on his shoulder early in the season, then, you know, no excuses. He just – they just teams just figured him out and he got worse or whatever. Yeah. But if that tape wasn't on there early in the season and it was later in the season – then there's a possibility he injured his shooting shoulder at some point during the course of the season, and that affected things. And Virginia Tech, they, they just never never talked about it. Yeah. So I, I think the the future of the team, uh, I still like where they're headed. I, I would like, and Mike Young would like, to have one or two more big guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but as we've joked about on the podcast before, Mike Young is is meeting Virginia Tech's tradition of not having large numbers of big men head on. 
So yeah, uh, the only the only coach tradition. I remember that that I can personally remember is having a large number of big guys on the team is Ricky Stokes, <laughs> uh, of all people. Uh, and man, Carlton Carter was talented, and Terry Taylor was entertaining, and even Demory Tompkins when he got himself in shape, what w- was a decent player. Yeah, but you're right. You're right. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, so you know he's got Bamisil and Maddox coming in. Those those are two good players, uh, and he's got. And, Gison, Gison, Gison coming in. Of course, Kev 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 Aluma is becoming um, um, eligible. He's going to play a lot. He's going to start, in my opinion. I, I, so I think it's great that uh, you know a, a season that had the potential to be a daggone disaster. Oh yeah, was not. And 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 I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I was encouraged by the engagement of the fans throughout the season. Mm-hmm. Even when things went south, the crowds were still pretty good. And and I think that that is. That is Buzz's legacy to the program. Yes. But Mike Young and and his players are also uh, – um, oh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? N- not uniquely, but they they are – the way they approach the game and the fan base is uh, they, they are poised to continue that. Uh, he is he, – he was handed – Mike Young was handed a sizable fan base mm-hmm. and – is the kind of character character and personality that can keep that fan base. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And, yeah. and I think it's important. This is the fifth year in a row that Virginia Tech did not have a losing record. Yeah. Um, when I was in college, my first three years of college, I had my first two years, Tech had a losing record. A third year, they were barely over 500. That was Greenberg's first year. My second year, again, barely over 500. But th- – at that point, you won 16 games. You're like, wow, what what a great season because right. you just won 10 the year before. You yeah. were so bad, right? So now if you if you feel like 16 and 16 is disappointing, well, it's because you just came off four straight 21 seasons. Yeah, and, and to sum it up, you could have a much better team next year and not have a better record. And not have a better record. Because the ACC sure. is going to get better too, man. Theoretically, boy, it was boy, bad the this ACC year. the ACC was yeah. bad, yeah. Uh, so I think that um, I think that we pretty much wrapped that up. So, what are your early expectations for the team next season? I just gave them to you. Yeah, yeah. Who who are you most looking forward to improving from this year to next year? Yeah, it's, I think Naheem Aline and Ojiako can go into that category. Yeah, yeah. Ojiako, because I, I think he flashes some serious potential as a big man. When he made that turnaround jumper against Pitt, I think it was. I know what maybe. you're talking about. Yeah, I'm like, Whoa, like I didn't, footer, I didn't know right? we could do that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and then Naheem Aline. He gets to the basket so much, and he can't quite finish because he's not quite strong enough yet. Yeah. Um, as he gets older and stronger, he's going to finish more and more of those. And you know he can already shoot it from the outside. And he's got a decent mid-range game, too, for somebody his age. So, yeah, he actually tries the mid-range. Yeah, game. exactly. So those are the two guys that really stand out to me as far as guys improving over the trajectory of their career. And, and guys who really found themselves this year, uh, Tyrese Radford and, and Hunter Couture, really, yeah. it looked like he had gone south in the month of uh, January. January, and then he recovered very well in February and March, as we've detailed. I, ju- I just think that guy is, uh, he's, he's, you know, there, there, there are players at Notre Dame that I've always liked whose names I can't remember sure. right now. They're just glue guys. They're just – they do so many things well, you know, oh, and you, you hate to play them. And, and then them. you lose to them, and they go to the NCAA tournament, and you've got Malcolm Delaney and Jeff Allen, and you're like, why the heck couldn't we make the NCAA tournament when yeah. we've got Malcolm Delaney and Jeff Allen, and they've got that guy. 
I, I but, just Hunter Couture is a guy that that the rest of the ACC is going to hate by the time he graduates because he's, he's such a pain to play against. He was described by on our boards by GC Hokey thirty four, who's done some writing for us. Who's a former coach. Uh, he was described as a three star recruit, but a four star fit for the system. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's that's a that's a good uh, good description. Um, I, I would challenge Wabisa Beatty to uh, to you know, and I've been doing this all year, man. Go to the basket, finish, try it, man. You can do it. Uh, I think for fans out there who are down on Beatty and, and the fact that he's not a good shooter, not a good scorer, that doesn't mean he ain't starting at point guard next year. He's yeah. going to be a senior next year. Yeah. Um, I think doesn't doesn't GC Hokie think that Bamisil has the potential? He's like yeah. a combo yeah. guard who could run the yeah. point. The way I would describe it is the ball gets out of the point guard's hands early yeah. in Mike Young's offense. So, unless you're just a colossal screw up and can't get the ball past half court, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, like I couldn't play point guard. But yeah, Bamisil should be able to play point guard in Mike Young's system. So, so it's not a traditional point guard per se, Mike Young system. Uh, the system itself is the point guard. So, and, and, and let me jump in here before I forget about it and make the point that um, when I sit here and I say that about Beatty, Mike Young offense is not designed to have the point guard at the top of the key with the ball in his hands with five seconds right, left right. on the shot Right, No, clock. absolutely not. I mean, it's and, about ball movement and getting the open yes, shot. And, and yeah. that, that started happening more and more at the end of the season. And, and, and that, that was just a sign that they had had too, so much put on their plates. They couldn't mentally, as a young team, yeah. they couldn't mentally handle anymore in their first year. In that so as, as much as we all like the way J. Rob went to the basket, that's not really a thing in Mike, right. Mike Young's right. offense. Right. Uh, that, that's a good point. So I should just lay off with Bisa Beatty, <laughs> whom, whom we love, you know. But uh, he, he is, uh, uh, even if Bamisil's future is playing the point in, on, on Mike Young's team, it's not like he's going to start there next year. Well, he just missed his senior season with an injury. Right, and, and, and he's going to be a freshman, and right. you're going to have a senior. Um, so that's uh, – th- those are guys I'm looking forward to improving. Um, let's see. Picked up a few players. We talked about uh, Gison and uh, preferred walk-on Gil Williamson. I haven't had a chance to study him. Do you know anything about him? <laughs> no. Malcolm looking I think, I think he's, con- <laughs> he's considered uh, better than most walk-ons. I know that much. That's, uh, that's the- no, I'm not saying he's going to be like, well, gosh – who have been some walk-ons who have been very successful. Uh, Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. <laughs> not saying he's going to be Chris Tucker. Will Johnston, but if you yeah, didn't have that Will Johnston, open. yeah, yeah. Those are about the only two. Uh, I think he's a he's probably as good a walk-on as you could hope to get, um, is the way I understand it. It's not out of the realm of possibility that he could help at some point. But uh, for, for for a walk-on, I think he's he's certainly a good pickup, is, is what it, is from what I understand it, from what I've read. From Richmond, Virginia. Is no, that I'm correct? sorry. Did I say Richmond? I think I meant Roanoke. No, he's listed as Max Preps. Uh, uh, Max Preps as being from St. Christopher's High School in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, for real? Okay. Uh, 6'7", 180, graduates in 2020, uh, assuming this is the. Oh, I seriously doubt that's up to date. Correct information. Boy, yeah. did we prepare for this podcast well. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Gil. We'll we'll try to give you a better, <laughs> better shake in a future podcast. Um, so let's see. Uh, Transition quickly to uh, women's basketball. Uh, you know, we talked about them briefly. They were they were going to go to the NCAA tournament. They're not getting their chance. Yeah, it's a shame, especially for the seniors who won't have a who won't have an opportunity. Anymore. And Dara Mabry is uh, transferring out. She wants to play point guard. She Didn't wants to play point. Didn't like playing off the ball, which is you know interesting considering the 
Well, I'd actually, I, I say that the point guard, point guard job is not going to be open next year because I wrote an article or I posted an article that Jake Lyman wrote for us this morning, and Tech's point guard is already lined up. She's from Australia. She's already she's already been practicing with the team. This this you know is she a transfer? This, I don't. She's from Australia. We, she's from that, Australia. That's, that's a part that's she's stuck transferred in your countries. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going to be the point guard. She's going to be the point guard. So mm-hmm. Mabry was not going to be able to play point guard, and she wanted to play point guard. Didn't like playing off the ball. Uh, I think she appeared I think to be pretty her, good at it. Her and Kenny Brooks knew this was coming. Hmm. Ken, Kenny said he got the news. She she sent him a text. Which which sounds bad on the surface. But it sounds it, bad on the purpose. The surface, they both knew it was coming. Yeah. And Brooks was like, you know, if we'd been able to have a sit down face to face meeting, right, it would have been mutual. Yeah, and, uh, and that's the other and thing. And that, that doesn't say anything negative about either one of them. They just don't think that was the right fit for. Well, of course, Dara texted him. She's probably not even in town. You know, I mean, sure. Yeah, yeah. Th- these are different circumstances. So don't don't criticize yeah, her yeah, for yeah. letting the coach know via exactly. text. Yeah, she was practicing social distancing. Right. Uh, anyway, good luck to her. I, I, I think she's a great shooter. I, yeah. I enjoyed watching her play. So that's but but Tech will still be good next year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For for I mean for us included, you, you know, Kenny Brooks has gotten some criticism, but Cr- Kenny Brooks is one. I think I saw this morning that he has fifteen straight twenty win seasons. I mean, that's hard. Uh, our position on Kenny has uh, not been one of criticism. It's been one of we we basically didn't cover the team this year. True. You know, and that we we should not have done that. We should have covered them closer. We should have appointed a student to cover them, and uh, we did not. And we will fix that in future years, um, because Elizabeth Kitley's really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's let's touch on football recruiting a little bit, which is dead. Um, not just for Virginia Tech, but for everybody. Everybody. So, so probably the biggest thing that happened was uh, however he pronounces it, Travion, Travion Henderson, the upper upper four star, lower five star running back out of Hopewell. I view him as a five. That's my personal. Is is that the uh, um, composite ranking? I'm not sure. Whatever. Um, He's a five star. Uh, yeah. I view him as a five-star level guy. You know, there have been some really good backs coming out of the state of Virginia the last four or five years. Uh, first, you had the guy who went to Florida State, LeBourne, right? Yeah. Then you had Slade go to Penn State. Then you had Ford, Ford go to Penn State. Penn State. And now you've got Henderson. Um, I, I would rank Henderson either first or second. Him and LeBourne right at the top. Uh, Ford third I, I was never a big a fan of slade as, as as other people slade was in the trans is in the transfer he's portal, in the transfer right? portal yeah. now I, i'm not as big a fan as the kid from richmond this past year who's going to notre dame either um, tyree chris tyree chris tyree yeah. I, I don't think i think he's a good player i don't think i don't see top three in the state elite talent like some people do yeah but henderson but henderson, definitely. henderson i do henderson yeah. i think is He's listed at 5'11", 195, but that dude's thighs are just are, – they're huge. And he hasn't even hit a college weight room yet. Um, he is a guy who – I want to redshirt everybody. This guy wouldn't need to redshirt. <laughs> he's Put that phys- kid on he's, the field. He's physically ready already. Um, he, he he could play for anybody right away, in my opinion. I think he's yeah. that good. Yeah. And and, and I, I think uh, – Virginia Tech's made a lot of headway with him. Oh, I think they've done a great job recruiting him. Um, 
it's it's interesting that he he named, he named his top schools. Clemson's not in there. Alabama's not in there. So that makes you feel a lot better. Ohio State's in there though. Yeah, and I that that's what top twenty five national players do that these days. They they go to Ohio State. Yeah. They all go to the same schools these days. Yeah. Yep. And expecting Virginia Tech to break that trend, hardly anybody else breaks that trend. Yeah. You know? Nobody breaks that trend. So uh, I just I don't see it happening. I think Tech will probably like finish second. But at the same time, if he's going to go to anywhere that's not an established power, I, I think it will be Tech. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And and it's uh, I, I think Tech has Tech did a good job getting him. Uh, before things went on lockdown, getting him on campus. Yeah. And, and he was – I think he was the only visitor. That he was the only had. visitor. He got the red carpet treatment. He got the red folks. carpet treatment, yeah. yeah. And, and I think when you dial back recruiting – and you, now Tech has offered like 270 guys in this class, right? Um, how many of those they're actually focusing on? I have, not, I have no idea. But when you only, fo- when you only recruit – you don't focus on a large number of guys, it means you can give a little bit more personal attention to the guys you are focusing on. Yeah. So let's uh, take a quick break and uh, hear a word from our sponsor, Fisher Law Firm. And when we come back, we will take uh, questions from Facebook Live. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go so thanks once again to Jonathan Fisher and the Fisher Law Firm. Welcome back into the Tech Sideline Podcast, episode 123. Is that right? Evans yep, 123. Notes? 123, three weeks after 122. <laughs> uh, so Malcolm, as Evan says, the best producer in the land. Do we have any questions off of Facebook Live? Uh, there's a couple. We right. can start with Ooh, Chris Scaniello. Skinny I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I can't see it, so I can't tell you how to yeah. pronounce it. He says, uh, "Do you see Jalen Cohn's role increasing next season?" Well, that's great. I'm, I meant to talk about Cohn when we were talking about the basketball. If he gets team. better defensively, he can have an increased role for sure because he's an he's as good a shooter as we Tech has ever had. Yeah, and and even I thought even as the season dragged on uh, later in the games, they still did a good job getting him open and getting him opportunities. Mm-hmm. Man, that guy's such an elite shooter. Yeah. And, and I, I gotta, I gotta think that as as the players get better at running Mike Young's offense, that yes. his opportunities will get even better. Even if he doesn't play more minutes, he's going to have more opportunities because the players around him are better running the system and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as his minutes increase goes, it's going to depend on how much better he gets defensively. In my yeah, opinion, yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's any more complicated than that. He's definitely a guy with. Uh, with a big future in this basketball team, and, and he's a he's a popular player. I don't see that changing. Very good personality. He's yeah. a smart guy too. Uh, his dad is is a coach. Jalen will have that opportunity one day if he wants it. Uh, and, and you said he, when you, when you talk to him after games that he answers questions like a coach. Like a coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember before the season in media day, he gave the longest answers of anybody. Yeah, I mean, th- there's a reason like they sent him and Beatty out there in front of the media before the UVA game, the day before the UVA game. Those are the two guys they want in yeah. front of the media, which is impressive for for Cone because he's he's a freshman it's for yeah. him to already be in that role. Not that there are a lot of 
options amongst the up, amongst upperclassmen, but no, there weren't many guys. Yeah. Appreciate the question. Uh, here's an interesting one from Clark Ruland. He says, "Chris, y'all talked a lot about the 1995 series. With everyone being at home, what are your guys' thoughts on getting a watch party set up one night to watch an old game on YouTube, all start at the same time, and live tweet with other Hokies?" Hmm. That's a pretty good idea, Clark. Now it's out there in the public, and somebody else is going to take it and run with it. I know. Which, which thanks, is thanks fine, a lot, you know. Clark. <laughs> you should have DM'd that to us. <laughs> Whatever brings us closer together. Um, man, we're just we're just. What can I say? We're open to any clever ideas you've got. Um, this this uh, and you know these these are the the things we should think about during the the summer and stuff like that. Anyway, you right. know ideas like this. So uh, Clark Clark's really good at that sort of stuff. We we need to. Everybody's doing brackets right now, mm-hmm. which, is, which is a little... We can do a gnome bracket. It'd be one game. Championship game. Terra <laughs> uh, gnome versus this is gnome. Took yeah. me a second to remember which was which. They, they look so much alike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I like that idea, Clark. We'll, we'll, we'll let that one uh, ruminate. Uh, James Lawson asks, what is Tech's relationship with Zon Burden? Good question. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, I know he was not brought back. He was let go after the season. He started a nonprofit out on the seven five seven right now, doing camps. Um, wow. Yeah. But I, I think he's still being paid by Tech for 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 this year, so he's able to do that. Um, huh. He, he, I read an. Uh, I read part of an article about him this morning where he was talking about as a recruiter it's apparent that a lot of kids get bad advice and they aren't ready academically and blah 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 and you know so basically he's got a year off where i think he's still getting paid by virginia tech mm-hmm. and he's trying to help change that in, in in his area um that's what he's doing right now i I guess his relationship with Tech is fine. I mean, well, coaches get fired all the time, and if every one of them burn bridges over getting fired, then be a lot of burn bridges around the sport, wouldn't it? Yeah, because co- coaching the coaching fraternity is tight. That's yeah. a good point. Um, uh, you know, we don't have any inside info on on how uh, how the departure was. We don't know if there's bad blood there or not. You right. Know? Um, and and that I don't know if there's anything more I can say about that. If if you're concerned that Zon Burden's out in the seven five seven bad mouthing Virginia Tech, I don't even worry about that. Yeah, I mean it's not going to get any worse than signing nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't nothing worry, nothing about leaves it. nothing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, good question. Good question. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Lance Weller is Tech going to snag any grad transfers from the portal? Football or basketball? He didn't specify. I assume he's specify. talking about basketball since basketball season just ended. If 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 they do, it would be a very specific fit. I think there's a guy from like Yale out there that the tech has has contacted, but those Ivy League programs they run very strict specific systems, sort yeah. of like Virginia Tech system. So that would be a high IQ guy who's played in a similar system. He would be able to make the adjustment very quickly most grad transfers are not like that you could expect most grad transfers to pick up the offense as quickly as like pj horn and will be sabidi did 
Yeah. Um, so one-year grad transfers are not good for this program. Maybe if you need a quick fix one year where you're going to, where you know, you're going to be really good. Right. Right. Um, but no, uh, when you're building a system program, uh, don't take shortcuts. Be, be in it for the long haul. Tony Bennett did not make the NCAA tournament until his third year. He didn't make his second NCAA tournament until his fifth year. Yeah. Um, his first year they went, they won 15 games. His second year they won 16 games. He didn't take shortcuts building his program, and they he built a specific system program. So I don't think I don't think it's a good idea to take shortcuts. Uh, I think it's an, a, the best thing you can do is recruit high school players who are who are team oriented and will help you over the long haul. Yeah. I think that's the best way to build the program. Doesn't necessarily go as well in today's I want it right now type of thinking. But I'm, I'm not playing. I need to leave. Right, right. Kind of uh, but it, but if you get to know if, – if you sign the right kind of types of players, it's not like UVA hasn't had transfers. Yeah. And they've had their own transfers come in as well. Um, but generally speaking, you want to build it with four-year high school players. So the is the scholarship count currently full with Nolly's departure and Gison's T- yes. signing? Yes, uh, Gison replaced Nolly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we we don't like to talk, we don't like to speculate on possible uh, departures, but there could be could be a couple of guys. It could be one to two more. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So um, it could it could be not, none. I I'd be hesitant right now if I was a player. I, I don't I don't think a lot of not not to get back on this subject subject again, but I don't think your average person realizes exactly what we possibly could be in store for as far as limited travel over the next extended period of time. So if you want to hit the transfer portal, when are you going to be able to take a visit? You got to think about that. Landers and Ollie's getting contacted by all these schools, but when's he going to visit them? Yeah, and they're talking not anytime soon. That's that's a good point. Yeah, so uh, I I don't know if by the end of this year, I don't know if the transfer portal numbers will be any different than years past for basketball because of this situation. But Uh, it will it's possible, and it will be an interesting analysis. Or or how many guys they're just not able to take visits, and they don't want to wait much longer, and they just call back their old coach and say, "Hey, can you take me back?" It's possible. Yeah, that that that's a that's a that's a story that uh, some one of the national types needs to kind of get a hold of. Right. And um, so I was thinking, at some point, not during the podcast, at some point in the last couple of days, I've wondered: is there a possibility that football season won't happen, but <laughs> basketball season will? It, with basketball season starting Later. in like January, something like that. Yeah, with with just conference play. Just conference play. Yeah. I think it would depend on why football season was canceled. Yeah. Um, if it was canceled because, I don't know, maybe if they develop some kind of cure in between, that, 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 then it's vaccine, possible. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and everybody says vaccines 12 to 18 months, but you can, you can, and again, I'm out of, out of my depth here, but I think that stuff can be fast tracked. I expect and, they're going to uh, wave a few. <laughs> a few requirements. Open a few gates faster things. than they usually yeah, would. They yeah, they normally do, yeah. Um, any others, Malcolm? Yeah, we've got a couple more if you want to keep going. Sure. Yeah, how, how many minutes in are we right now? Uh, we're in an hour 23. Wow, okay. Let's take 
wow, that that last forty minutes went pretty quick. So <laughs> there's like two more. All right, let's do a couple more. All right, uh, Damian Brink. With no spring practice, could the NCAA allow fall practice to start earlier to get guys ready? You could, but you know you got to balance it out for everybody. Like I think Clemson already did nine practices, and Louisville already did seven or eight, or maybe that was the other way around. I don't remember. So. Do you, do you make them start a week after everybody else because they already got practices in? The other part of it is you, you hear every year, the first week of the season, every coach says this gives the same interview. He says, we're tired of hitting each other. We're ready to hit somebody else. In, in other words, man, they're, they're really tired of, of running the same plays and practicing against each other and listening to me every day. Practicing more than four weeks or so with no reward of playing in a game and just – having your coach yell at you the whole time. That gets old after about four weeks. Honestly, from personal experience, it gets old after about two weeks. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And, and that was in high school when we actually got to play scrimmages against other teams. These guys don't get to play scrimmages. So I think that's possible. I also think that some coaches will probably say, you know what, that it stinks, but it's overkill because after a few after four weeks or so, I just don't see the benefit of not playing anyone, of, of just practicing. At some point, we need to go ahead and start playing because they're going to tune me out. There, there, there's a there's a point of uh, limited return by by extending practice, in my opinion. This, yeah, it's it, it, there's a point of limited return in extending practice as we know it. Correct. So while you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking. Uh, the NCAA might do something like, and this is off the top of my head. I haven't sat around and thought about this. If I was the NCAA, I would I would study what schools got to have how many practices in the spring. Clemson got more than anybody, as if they needed any more advantages. And did you say Louisville had Clemson some practice? And Louisville. So just you know, take an accounting of that, and then offer the schools that didn't get to practice at all. A certain the opportunity you don't have to do it the opportunity for some extra practice sessions at the beginning of fall ball mm-hmm. and I, I I'm kind of with you I don't see those practice sessions as being the normal practice sessions right one of the big things that's being lost here and you've talked about this in articles is the the winter strength and conditioning sure the building of muscle. I don't know how much of that you can do with an extra week or two. You can maintain, uh, uh, but I mean, if this is like multiple, if this is like all of March and all of April, I mean, you can maintain. Like, yeah. I, I'm going to go outdoors and do stuff. I'm going to do push-ups and everything. Like, I'll maintain. I'm not going to add anything. It's, I think it's really hard, unless you have a home gym. Some guys do, some guys don't. Man, most guys don't. Right. Yeah, so. Most guys don't. You're right. The NCAA has got a lot to deal with, and but, and, yeah. and that's that's maybe that's part of what they should talk about. Yep. So one last question. All right, from Jordan Glick: If you had to select two players from this year's basketball team to add to these three, Brian Chase, Ad Vasallo, Vasallo, and Med Hill to create a team, who would you select and why? <laughs> we got to have somebody taller than six six. I guess OG Yako just because he's taller than six six. Uh, so so I didn't quite understand yeah. the question. So add two players from this year's team. Is that yeah? Add two to those players. Two. And who were the three guys again? Brian Chase, Ad Visayo, and Ahmed Hill. Gosh. Okay. All right. So mm. Chase is Chase is your point. 
Meds, you're two. Visayos, you're three. three. Yeah, you uh, got to have a four or and a five. Or back and forth. So you got to have four <laughs> and a five. And they got to be on this year's team. It's got to be Ojiaka. Uh, or it could be Horn if you just don't want anybody over 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll go. I'll go ahead and go Bryant Matthews at the four, and then I'll we'll go ahead and put Horn at the five, and Br- Matthews just being just a beast on the boards yeah. would counteract a little bit of that and uh, of of the size disadvantage. I don't know. I still might go Ojiaka. Just yep. roll with it. That's too much of a, a mind bender for yeah. For on the spot in a, a podcast, yeah, which, which is my way of saying that was a really good question. Yeah, no kidding. <clears throat> yeah. So we're done. Yeah. Is that it? If you're still with us, appreciate you hanging with us. Yep, that was an hour and a half. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, you know the content's going to keep coming, um, as we talked about earlier in the uh, in the podcast. Jamon will be up as soon as I go home and eat lunch. Yeah, and come back. So probably our. I- what time is it now? I'll probably be up by two in the two to three out two to three o'clock range. I don't know that you have to come back if you want to practice social distancing. I think I think we need to wrap this thing up and get it posted. And, I get more work done when I'm here. I think. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I remember when I was when I worked out in the corporate world. I I didn't like spending. I didn't like telecommuting was a thing even back then in the mid '90s. I didn't like doing it. I got more done at work, even yeah. with everybody walking by my cubicle to talk. Yeah. So appreciate everybody uh, listening or watching, however, and uh, appreciate uh, Jonathan Fisher uh, sponsoring the podcast. And that wraps up episode 123 of the TSL podcast. Thanks for listening and watching. Malcolm, you ready to run the outro?